Hello, church family. Uh, so what we're doing here is uh, we're going to look at Psalm 144. I taught this lesson uh, in anticipation for our trip to Ghana. And what I did was I just played it via Zoom. Um, so I'm going to pull it up, play it. This is being recorded. And um, yeah, so I'm going to share my screen with you with the audio. It'll be just a second. Uh, Ghana with my parents, we should be um Well, good evening. Some things remain the same. Other things are different. Some of the things that are the same are uh, we're going to be continuing on our, our series on uh, Psalms on prayer. And I also have my trusty water bottle with me. Anyways, other things that are different uh, today, Lord willing, I should be in uh, Ghana with my parents. We should be um, together for a, a day at the Moli Game Park. And then after that, we'll be going up to where my parents live, uh, attending church with them on Thursday and having an open house on Friday so that I can visit with some of the people that my family knows there. And then on Saturday, we'll be traveling down to where I grew up. Anyways, you can be praying for us as we come to your mind, and we will be praying for you as uh, we know things to be praying for you about. Anyways, we're going to be in Psalm 144 today. So if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 144. Uh, due to the fact that I'm not there, um, I'm going to do a couple of things a little different. I'm going to be reading the text instead of having you read the text, um, just so that we can ensure that we get the whole text read and that we read it relatively quickly and uh, move on with the process. Anyways, Psalm 144, verse 1. A Psalm of David, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shout out, shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I'll sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That your sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that your daughters may be as pillars sculptured. 
All right, as we normally do, what I want you to do now is I want you to take a couple of minutes to examine the psalm. And as you examine the psalm, the question that you're going to be asking yourself is, uh, what are the key words or what are the key phrases or the key ideas that are present in this psalm? And so um, I'm going to go away. And for about three to five minutes, um, there won't be any recording, but what I want you to do is either on your sheets of paper, if you want to write in your Bible, you can write in your Bible, however you want to do it. But I want you to uh, note the various instances of keywords, repeated ideas, phrases, things like that, and then we'll come back in a little bit. You may want to pause it at this time. All right. So um, you've looked at key words. You've looked at key ideas. You probably have some that I don't have. And hopefully, um, as we talk through this, you um, kind of have a better idea of the big idea of the passage. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But um, the first key idea that you see that is present is this idea of hand. You see this repeated numerous times throughout this psalm. So if you look with me at verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And so he's, th he's thanking God for God's care for him by allowing him to have hands that are able to go into battle. He then in verse 7 also is going to bring up this idea of hands once again. Stretch out your hand. He's talking to God. What is God supposed to do on his behalf? He says, God, stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners. Verse 8 once again picks up on this idea of hand, whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And then finally again in verse 11 you will see this idea of hand picked up. In verse 11, rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And so we see this idea of hand. In addition to the idea of hands, we also have the idea of laments. And in the idea of laments, you see that in a couple of different areas, in a couple of different ways. In verses 1 through 2, he's thanking God for who God is, what God has done on his behalf. But then in verses 3 through 4, he's... He's just kind of questioning God, why, God, are you interested in me? Why would you care to listen to my requests? I am nothing before you. I am so small that it's amazing that I can approach you in prayer. Uh, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Not only am I nothing, but... I'm so small on the spectrum, I don't understand why you'd care for me in this way. It goes on, though, in verses 7 and 8, and he's asking God to work on his behalf. We've already read these verses as we looked at his hand. Stretch out your hand. He wants God to act on his behalf. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners. Verse 8, whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And then finally, in verses 10 through 11, once again, we pick up on this idea of lament. The one who gives salvation to kings who delivers David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. So you have this idea of lament in this psalm.
Alright, finally I've combined a number of different ideas under this one. Uh, we've already looked at hand, we've looked at lament, now protection, prosperity, and peace are all discussed as well in this passage. Uh, verses 1 and 2, he's praising God, he's thanking God for God's protection. And he uses this idea of protection and he says it in numerous different ways as he works his way through the text. He says, um, especially in verse 2, uh, Blessed be the Lord, my rock who trains my hand for war and my fingers for battle. My loving kindness, God is his loving kindness. He is his fortress. He's the high tower. He's the deliverer. He's the shield. He's the one he takes refuge in, who subdues my people under me. God keeps his people under David's control. David is the king, and his people are maintained under his control. Why? Because God accomplishes this. And verses 5 through 7, once again, you see this idea that God is the one who he goes to for deliverance. God is the one who provides him with protection. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners, uh, whose mouth speaks lying lips and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Once again, we see it in verse 10 and 11. The one who gives starv salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. He says, God, you are the one who delivers me. I'm the king, yes. I have great power, yes. But you're ultimately the one who delivers me. It's not me. Verse 11 continues on the same idea. Rescue me and deliver me. God, you are the one who protects. Whose mouth speak lying lips, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And then verses 12 through 14, this is where we pick up this idea of prosperity. What is he asking God to accomplish on his behalf? He is asking God to rescue him and to restore prosperity to the land. Something that ultimately David can't bring about. Something that ultimately we have to look to the millennial kingdom for the full fulfillment of this promise to come about. But he's asking God to work, to restore the nation, to bring back what they once had. Look with me at verses 12 through verse 14 as he describes what he wants to happen. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. He wants, to, he wants them to be restored. He wants them to be strong. That our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in a palace style. All these things uh, raising up a new generation, providing them with the ability to receive prosperity, to receive blessing, will take time. It takes peace. If everybody's running off to war and busy with all the, uh, the minutia of life in the midst of turmoil, uh, it's not easy for prosperity and peace to be seen in the future generation. But he goes on and he asks for more physical things as well in verses 13 and 14. He wants the barns to be full. He wants them to be supplying produce. He wants the sheep to be breeding and to be providing lots of baby sheep. He wants the oxen to be well laden. He wants there to be no breaking in or going out. And he does not want there to be outcry in the streets. This is prosperity. This is blessing. This is what King David is asking God to provide. Something that ultimately David himself is not able to provide and that the Messiah will provide when he establishes his, his kingdom. Then in verse 15, this is blessing. This is peace. Happy are the people who are in such a state. No kidding. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord.
right. So what I have for the big idea, the main theme, is acknowledging that God has been faithful in the past. The psalmist entreats God or asks God to restore peace and prosperity. The psalmist acknowledges who God is. He's been faithful in the past. And based on that, he entreats God. He asks God to restore peace and prosperity. All right, so what we want to do now is we want to very quickly run through an outline of the psalm, and then we will draw some applications after we do that. So, an outline of the psalm, the righteous praise the Lord for his past actions. And so we've seen David praise God for his past victories. If it was not for God strengthening his hands, strengthening his fingers, equipping them, he would not have had that delivery. He praises God for that. He praises God for being his protector and for his being his defender. God is his loving kindness, his fortress, his high tower, his deliverer, his shield, and the one whom he takes refuge in. He praises God for his past actions. David moves from there, though, and he says, even in our lowest days, even in the days where it feels like the fact that we've looked to God to be our defender, that we've looked to God to be our strength, to be our high tower, as he puts it, to be our fortress, and he's failed. Even in those lowest days, the righteous, okay, the believer, can boldly approach the Lord and seek deliverance. And so in verses 3 through 4, you see him marveling that God takes note of humans. We looked at that earlier. Um, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. And then in verses 5 through 8, the righteous are confident in God's deliverance. It is because he is confident in who God is, that is why he moves on and he says, I'm going to entreat God to continue to act on my behalf. And so he asks God to rescue him, to deliver him from the present enemy. And then in verses 9 through 11, he promises that when he is delivered, he will praise him. He will honor him for his act on his acts on his behalf. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from this deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Finally, the Lord's blessing brings prosperity and peace. If you and I want prosperity and peace, the ultimately it's found only in the future. Okay, It's not something that ultimately can be found here. There's far too much war, turmoil, the coronavirus, if that's still going on in a couple of weeks. Um, wars, fightings, okay? There's lots of bad things going on, okay? But ultimately, the Lord's blessing brings prosperity and peace. And ultimately, it's something that's future. But it can be, to a small extent, experienced today. We can experience God's peace and God's prosperity. And he asks God for that. And when he asks God, he says, God, when you deliver us, I will praise you. And this is the result. Our young men will grow 
as plants. Our young women will be sculptured in palace style. Our barns will be full. Our oxen will be well laden. There will be no breaking in or going out. There will be no outcry in the streets. Why? Because God has brought about peace and prosperity. And ultimately, these blessings only come from the Lord. And that's why those are the people who are happy. It's not everybody in the world who gets to be happy. It's the people who receive these blessings from the Lord. Happy are the people who are in such a state. The people who have the blessings, the peace, and the prosperity that is described in verses 12, 13, and 14, those are the people who are blessed. Those are the people who are happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Why? Because only God brings about peace and prosperity. All right, so application, let's think through this for just a little bit here, okay? What does a psalm call on you and me to do? How are we to respond to the message of Psalm 144 um, over the coming weeks, over the coming months, over uh, this week? Okay, so first of all, God's past, past actions proclaim him to be a faithful God who can be trusted. Okay, as you and I reflect on our lives, there have been times where we have seen God to be the God who prepared us for victories, who has given us victories. Okay, that is, that is a timeless truth. God prepares us and he gives us victories. He allows us to see him use us in mighty ways. You have experienced God being a faithful God. You have experienced the uh, opportunity to run to God as your fortress, as your high tower, as your deliverer, as your shield, the one who you take refuge in. And because of that, you can trust him tomorrow. Are you trusting him? How do you demonstrate that you're trusting him? If you say that you're trusting him and you fail to often approach him in prayer, you fail to often approach his word and to meditate on it, are you really trusting him? Next, ask for God's deliverance. The text over and over again points us to the fact that we are able as the righteous individuals to approach God in prayer. And the psalmist marvels that God is willing to listen to us. Why? Because we're nothing. We're just humans. And not only that, but our time on earth is just this little, little bit of time. It's nothing. And yet God desires to act on our behalf. Okay, so ask God for his deliverance. Ask God for him to work on your behalf. Blessing is found with God. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Let me encourage you, if you are not sure that you know who Jesus Christ is and what Christ has accomplished for you and who you are, who you stand as before him, okay? Then don't leave without being sure. Jesus Christ came to the earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, and you and I are able to receive his gift of eternal life. And that is the true biggest blessing that you and I can receive. 
be sure that that is yours. Peace and prosperity ultimately look forward to a coming day. You and I will experience uh, instances and illustrations of peace and prosperity. America is really a relatively very peaceful country. America is a very prosperous country. But America will dim in comparison to the coming kingdom that the seed of David will bring about. When the Messiah comes and he establishes his kingdom, then the description that is given in verses 12, 13, and 14 will truly be here. And ultimately, what we can do right now is simply to look forward to a day that is coming that promises to provide us with true peace and prosperity. I hope those truths encourage you and they challenge you as you go through this coming week. We'll see you in about two and a half weeks. Bye. All right. Um, So that's that. Um, I'll be working on getting prayer requests sent out to you relatively soon here, and I will see you when I see you. Bye.